Dude, I am not kidding, man. Muse, Matt yeah. Bellamy. Probably you went. Probably the best vocalist I've seen live. Like, and I've seen a lot. Like, I would put him up there with like Maynard from Tool. Like, did dude. I tell you about the time I saw Muse? When did you see Muse? What? I saw Muse in Tampa when they were opening for U two. When? What year? What year was this? This is this is like right when right when Muse was hitting big. Right when like Knights in Sidonia came out. Yeah, and all that. That's right. Yeah, and then Uprising because like they had that album that came out in 2012. That, that would have been that, that would have been the year. That would have been the year. Yeah. Here's what I'll tell you. I did not stay for you two. <laughs> I, I, I'll be and honest. I'll be with honest. Forty percent of the crowd walked. After I think forty percent of the crowd. The people that they they probably saw Muse and they were like, "We got our money's worth." Like that was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it that way. Did you know that over five trillion dollars exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over two hundred and twenty billion dollars an hour. Now how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. Ah. Ah. Oh no, did you spill? That's frothing up on me. First beer? But uh... Feels like my first time. <laughs> Feels like my first time every time. But welcome back to Drunkonomics, guys, the drinking podcast with an economics problem. I am James Goldwater, your hostess with the less grace. Yes. Um, I think it's the easiest way to put it. Definitely. And across from me, several states away, to, or at least two states, least. several time zones, uh, Aaron Wong, the hostess with the mostest The mostest. Grace. Thank you very much. <laughs> so good to be with you, James. And I'm glad to be back. Now, we were expecting, I know we were all expecting a huge report from Aaron Wong about the Goldwater Brewing Company experiment. I know, it still hasn't uh, happened did yet, not sorry. get a chance to go. He's going on Easter, and in many ways, I find that very funny. <laughs> so, you won't. Um, I'm going to find gold, but I am. I have a very specific Easter-related joke for him for next week nice. after he gets there. Nice. But I am... Aaron, what are you drinking tonight? I'm curious. Okay, I'm just going with my old classic, classic. Bushmills. I swear to God, I need to be a spokesperson because that's all I drink. Hey, Bushmills, Bushmills. what up? Seriously, um, I have a Bushmills shirt. I have a Bushmills scarf. I'm just saying. Uh, right? if, if we're ever giving you a paid advertisement, I promise we're going to disclose that to you. Um, yeah. That being said, we're probably never going to advertise. Let's put it this way. There's only two reasons we're going to advertise something. One, we actually stand behind it. It's delicious. Yes. Two, they're paying us a lot of money. Yeah. I think you'll be able to tell the difference. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking actually the scarlet fire a roasty red ale by tighthead brewing company out of mendalian illinois tighthead um, tighthead Tight yeah head it's brewing. a rugby thing wow which is how i which is it's that's actually not the reason i grabbed it i grabbed it cuz there's really? a there's a a red-haired woman dancing on the front of the can nice. and she's her okay. her dress is a giant hops flower which actually almost turned me off to it i'm very serious <laughs> it almost turned me off wow really and then later i flip the can around and i see there's a rugby ball on it it yeah. says tighthead and i'm like wait a minute and the guy who owns it's a, a, a former rugger. Former That's rugger. Okay. He was a tight head prop, hence tight head brewing. So I was nice. like, well, you know what? Not all props are bad people, just most of them. But it's toasted too. So I feel like if it's a toast, absolutely yeah. no, it's 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 delicious. It, it reminds me of the Elijah Craig toasted. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, with that That's with that nice awesome. like yeah. that malty warm that warm it hugs you like, like that, it, that it like toasted, hugs you as it goes down. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not the Kentucky kiss of most bourbon. It's the no, it's, um, it's the toasted hug. 
of toasted barrel. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's, it doesn't taste like a traditional, like rosy bourbon, you know, it's not like that. No, no, not like Eli Craig, but yeah, I guess the, to, to the point of the red ale is kind of, you know, it's delicious. It, this is delicious. So, so I guess if you're out there and you see, and you could, and you find yourself looking at a tight, at, at tight head brewing company and you see that they, they happen to have the scarlet red. And if you'd like red ale, Go ahead and grab one. If you don't like it, let me know. And yeah. the easiest way to let me know, guys, is yes. to go ahead and track me down in the Discord. And the way to find the way to the Discord, if you're not already in a member, an invitee, is just track us down on our social media. So that's Drunkonomical, D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. God, you're so and that good is that, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but separately, LinkedIn. But separately on Twitter, right? Linked out. LinkedIn, and then, linked uh, out. <laughs> uh, and then if you just want to find either James Goldwater or Aaron Wong, on linkedin feel free yeah, to send yeah. us a connection invite we will absolutely connect with you i mean yeah, absolutely but yeah seriously i mean uh open to all feedback open to all i mean if, absolutely if we make a recommendation you're just like bushmills is just not the one for me okay fair enough i am yeah, open to your That's fair. Yeah, it's, it's not the one for you i yeah. and, and, I, and i'll say this like i've tasted a lot of beers i tasted a lot of whiskeys in my i've tasted a lot of alcohol yeah, in my time I, where i've been like for what this is it's very good Exactly. I don't care for what this is, so it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong with being yeah, in other words, what I'm trying to say is Salsa, um, not my thing, but for what it is, a, you know, lower end tequila, it's excellent. <laughs> it's perfect, right? Yeah. So It's got name recognition in a good way, yeah. not like Jose. You know, McAllen 12, um, you know, there's something right there, right? For what it is, it's overrated, right? A, a yeah. Premium, quote unquote, scotch, overrated. Now, Just Callen, my opinion. Callen 18? All right, okay, now, we're now, now, we're now we're talking. Now we're talking. A little pricey. If we had to choose between, okay, so Abelor, McAllen, Ooh. or Balvaney, 12. Which, which one are you going with? Probably so, Balvaney. Uh, me too. Okay, perfect. Probably uh, Balvaney. Yeah, me too. So 100% Balvaney. So. Okay, so, okay, can I ask you something? Uh, like Glenn Fettick, Glenn Levitt, which one are you going to go with? 12, just 12. I, I, I hate to say, I, I don't want to ruffle any feathers here, but I'm going to go with Glenn Levitt. Oh wow! I'm a fetic guy. I love Glenn Livett. Glenn Livett, I, I, to me, Glenn Livett is more of like the coming of age. It's the scotch that got me into scotch, so I, that's why. You know, the thing is, the, the only the so I, I I know exactly, but it's why you yeah, like it. It's because I had the eighteen. And, and, I had the Glenn Livett eighteen before I had any other. The first scotch I ever had was Glenn Livett eighteen, and I was like, Whoa. I've never had Glenn Livett eighteen. Oh, I've wow. had Fedek 18. Yeah, so I never had. F- between the two, tw- between the twelves, I'm a Fedek guy because I think the Fedek's just a little bit heavier. Yeah. A little bit more body, but yeah. With that said, I mean, none of this is financial advice. I'm not. I'm not saying. With that I'm said, not saying, I'm not saying you should spend your money on a, on a nice little space side scotch. And if you were to, uh, that you should buy Balvenie over all the other ones. I'm not saying that. None of this is financial advice. I think we say uh, should be interpreted as such. Uh, and it reflects course, the opinions of our employers. Yes, that These too. are our opinions. Our opinions alone. And if they happen to reflect the views of our employers, purely coincidental. Well, you know what? Even bosses can be can be smart about shut about stuff about shit. <laughs> Who knows? That's almost. <laughs> Or, or um, maybe they share our dumb opinion, but I mean, fair enough. Either way, if we go down, we go down in the same lifeboat. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Absolutely. Um, Just shooting the fire right, going so, up in the sky. Yeah. So I, I brought us back. Uh, Aaron, do you want to raise a glass? Do you want to toast anyone this week? Do I want to toast anyone? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Or anything. I don't know. Oh, There's well, actually, I do. Okay, so let's have a drink to our boy, Mohammed El Arion. What? The chief, what, what I is mean, he, yeah, obviously what we should. Do again? What does he, he do chief, this week? I don't know. He's the chief economist at some... Big financial institution in the UK, I think. Really well-known guy. Anytime he speaks, he's very well-respected. So cheers him for that one. Yeah, I, I see him on Squawk Box Europe many mornings. I see him um, all the time on Squawk Box. And even in like Squawk America, right? Squawk on the street. Like, he's there all the time on oh, CNBC. Yeah. So very, very well-respected economist. 
What did he say again? He said something about the Fed shouldn't react to every piece of data, which honestly, yeah, we, we haven't yeah. been saying that, but we've been saying, I think, things similar. And then, of course, he said the worst thing that we could do right now is that is or i guess the worst thing the fed could do right worst now thing the fed could do right now yeah. to lower interest rates because it's like now you're reversing your position that's just going to create more problems down the road yeah it, so he's saying yeah i what he said was quote i said the, the worst thing the, the worst thing the fed could do is look down the road and go huh it looks like there's going to be a credit issue in a minute let's lower interest rates yes it's like so yeah he's saying but we talked about that last week which is to say like yeah. the fed has other tools the fed should use quantitative easing quantitative tightening to influence the markets without affecting interest rates. The Fed and the Treasury have the ability mm -hmm. to just give citizens of the United States money. Again, I don't love the premise that they're doing it often. I but the fact that the government can is in a position to now has a mechanism and a position of proven ability to approach problems from that yeah. direction. Well, I mean, I personally I just don't really like money supply manipulation in general, but I feel like there needs to be some sort of oversight for money supply. And you know, the I'm not saying this is the best option, the best available thing that we have, but it's the one we currently have going on right now. It's a system we have sitting at the moment, and that's you know, the existence of a central bank, right rising and lowering yeah. interest rates, doing QE. QT. And I agree. Like, I think, I mean, I, I don't want to get too liberal with QT, QE. No, but absolutely also, not. I don't yeah, either. I'm uh, just saying it's, yeah. it's <laughs> I know when you, what I'm saying is like, I don't love the fact that they'd have to use these other tools, but I am saying like, you can't mess with interest rates when interest rates are what you're using to combat inflation. You yes. have to use different tools to diff deal with different issues. If you haven't dealt with inflation, which if it started a year earlier would be done by now. But I agree. Probably. But I also feel like it's up to this. It's up to these big financial institutions that know this. They should know this stuff. They should know that. All right. They should. The Fed. They, we, I mean, we're not geniuses and we were saying that. So like they should know that bonds are not going to do very well uh, in 2022. Like we all saw that coming. You and I saw that coming. We all knew. Well, like we knew yeah. bonds weren't going to do well in 2022. Can't. Can't. And when you see it, when interest rates are going to do what they were going to do, what they did. Yeah. There's, I mean, credit spreads. We all knew, like, I mean, we, we, we talked about happen. credit spreads at one yeah, point. Yeah. Like, would you like, did you really not think they're going to widen? Like, but whatever. Right. So we talked about that for a while. And I feel like these big banks, you know, wink, wink, SB, SVB, whatever. Like, how did you not nope. see this coming? <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. It's all spilt milk under the bridge. Under the bridge. <laughs> and uh, because. So does that mean I get the. Does that mean I get the poor one out? Yeah, well, because our uh, our boy Mo, our, let's just call him Mo, Mil Mohammed. Yeah. Mo. Cheers to Mo. Cheers. Cheers to Mo. Raise yeah. one to Mo. Here's the Cheers. Mo. Cheers. And uh, what did we uh, pour one out to? All right, so I'm going to pour one out. I think we pour one out to Corporate McDonald's. Oh. So for those of you who have or have not been paying attention, the, uh, Corporate McDonald's has closed their offices this week to lay staff off. And I don't know if they're doing it the right way or the wrong way, but I tell you this. Twitter would do this differently. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's be clear about who we're talking about here. We're talking about corporate McDonald's because corporate McDonald's. actual McDonald's is still like, I mean, nope. they've been my Lord and savior nope. so many times. So like your store, your store is still going to be there flipping burgers. Hopefully, hopefully yeah, chicken nuggets, uh, whatever absolutely it is. Absolutely no problems there, but corporate McDonald's, which employs 150,000 people yep. has shut down their, uh, they have told employees to work from home this week coming this week that we yep. are, if you're currently listening it's Thursday for the last few days, they've been working from home tomorrow. They'll be working from home too. And that is apparently the prelude to some layoffs. So that's a, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens there, but I guess, yeah, no. So I, I said, we pour one out to McDonald's corporate because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if McDonald's, if McDonald's is doing this right or wrong, because 
Elon Musk is very good at business and he knows that what you do is you just show up and you start laying people off and then you close your corporate offices because you don't know who works there anymore. Very different. (laughs) I don't, like I said, I just don't know. Someone's right here. Someone please tell me. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, all the the only thing I saw was like, you know, the actual McDonald's is going to be fine because of that. I'm not too worried about mm-hmm. it, but uh, if you're an accountant at McDonald's uh, working at their corporate office, wherever their corporate office is, I don't know. Where's the corporate office again? I forget. I want to um, say it's in, no, McDonald's HQ is in Chicago. Oh, it's in Illinois. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, it is yeah, Chicago. I, I, yeah. I, 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 was I was like, I, was like, I think yeah. it's in Indiana because I was like, Chicago's too easy. Okay. It's not Chicago. Well, I mean, I, I, see the, I see the mix up because the Colts played the Bears in the Super Bowl back in 2006. <laughs> and I was paying names for Super Bowl, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to you know what? Up. I don't know if that's true, but I'll <laughs> okay, take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, just, I'm just trying to make it easy on you. But yeah, okay. So yeah, I mean, that McDonald's, they're they're going under some sort of par one out scenario, which... To be fair, it's not, it isn't just them. I saw that UBS also is has told Credit Suisse that 30% of staff are about to be that, But that's gone. just kind of, that's what happens whenever there's a, like when Schwab took over, when, when Schwab took over TD Ameritrade, that was like... A, you know, a bunch of layoffs because you don't need three chief marketing officers. No, you only need one. Yeah. Right? Only one can be the chief. So, I did see other interesting. Did you, did you, yeah. and this is just a, it just occurred to me. Did you see that the, um, that several cr- former credit Suisse employees have blown the whistle and have said, Hey, really U S government, you know how you found uh, credit Suisse guilty of helping wealthy Americans evade taxes in 2012. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't stop. They kept doing it. Like they kept doing it. That, it, that, it's still, honestly, it, it was going on even until last year. That wouldn't and, surprise um, me at all about Credit Suisse because I, I feel well, like it, well, that, that, and, that, and I feel like they've helped a lot of like dirty people launder money. Absolutely, they have, and so, and so part of that yeah. is that um, is that if if found uh, to have continued to commit those illegal acts in the United States, Credit Suisse is on the hook for a one point three billion dollar penalty payment to the United States. So would hey, that be coming know, out of UBS's pocket too, or would that just be well? Now it is <laughs> okay, because that's what well, I thought, out of yeah. Credit Suisse. I mean, it's all UBS's pocket now um, <laughs> is one way to look at it. You know, on the plus side, hey, with the with the debt, with the debt ceiling issues coming up, hey, one point three billion here, one point three billion there. I, I think I might have found a way out. How many banks have done bad shit? <laughs> exactly. So, I, I mean, and it's sad that we're talking about it like this and we're making fun of this because it's like, you know, like these are huge, reputable financial institutions. And but at the same time, like we've well, historically said, like, if all it costs me is $1.3 billion to make $2.6 billion, it costs me $1.3 yeah. to make $10 billion. Cost of doing business, I'll pay the fine every day. Yes, 100%. 100% of the time, which... Sucks, but yes, like if the, pe- if the penalty is less than I stand to gain, it's not a penalty. This is the cost, it's of, doing cost business. of doing business. Yeah, yeah. It, so I, I don't. Know. I mean, that's, that's no. It's a good point. And but yeah, seriously, uh, great, uh, dude. Nice, uh, nice pour one out, man. Seriously, McDonald's, what a go. I like, think so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like you know, like Ray Kroc was a not was a not a good person. Bag, yeah, not. The, the McDonald's product. Pretty solid. Nice stand by my my love of the, egg, the steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, with that said, I, I guess uh, th- thank you so much for joining us. Did we say that already? I feel like we did. Yeah. Uh, Even if we did, if we didn't, welcome back. Say, you know, thank you. Thanks, kid. Thank you so much for joining now us. It's time to hit it. Hopefully, you have a nice stiff one in front of you because we're about to talk about some stiff stuff. That is, of course, unless you're about to drive somewhere, then you know, get to where you're going. But um, and, then, and, and, and then and then yes, and then and then fill and kill, and then fill and kill. But speaking of filling and killing, there are things called gas tanks that you have to fill and kill, uh, mm. and that. 
you know, just, just to get from point A to point B, you know, most places. Right. And, uh, you know, something, well, I, got, I got really optimistic when Saudi Arabia decided they wanted to bury the hatchet with Iran and normalize relationship. Yeah, I, got relations. That, I was like, that was oh. excellent news. Uh, I don't know why they did it. And I honestly, I don't feel that reliable about that to be honest. Well, I, I think I it think might that's... have something to do with the fact that, that Venezuela has the largest proven oil reserves in the world and they might be nervous that Venezuela is about to do something. Between are you talking about um, Saudi Arabia is going to be nervous that yes. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard anything about Venezuela lately? I haven't heard anything about not like, really. It's you know things aren't great. There's a lot um, of instability there let's just say between yeah which, their is, which is the big problem. Yeah, between the infrastructure economics and obviously politically yeah. a lot of instability. Uh, there, there's, there's some serious uh, economic weakness there in terms of yeah appeal to foreign investment. Let's put it that way. Yeah, which um, why? But, but, no, okay. the, but I do yeah, know yeah. that Saudi Arabia has normalized relationship with Iran. Which I'll be honest, you know, I even in my most tinfoily of hats, I did not see that as the next I, logical step in the progression. I, well, and I also didn't see that happening in 2023. Because it's no. before the year 3000. So, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but, Correct. but anyways, it, so it happened. It's great. Like, and honestly, I, I hope I say this with the most sincerity in the world. Like I, it's, it's awesome that that happened. I just hope that it, it, it lasts and it's true and they don't reverse themselves, whatever it is, you know, and I don't, I don't care. Yeah, we'll I don't know what the motive is for this, but. Whatever it is, I hope well, it's also his peer. No, but they also, to be fair, they're also buddying up to other people because they just signed um, two agreements to supply, well, to to buy equity stakes in two different Chinese refineries, in, in right. two different refineries in northeastern China, and to supply said refineries with a uh, combined 690,000 barrels a day. North, like northeastern China. So like where Beijing yeah. is? Is that where Beijing is? I'd have to imagine it's quite it's quite near there. Okay. Probably not using Beijing. They're probably using a different right, port, right. But, but just th- that vicinity. But then, but then that's their hub. And then, right, and then but, supplying those two firms with with just shy of of seven hundred thousand barrels per day of crude oil, which is a not a substantial amount of crude oil. Yeah. Um, I mean, this doesn't happen like tomorrow, right? This is something that's going to take a long time to actually unfold, right? Where, where they, well, for those refineries uh, to expand, I mean, they own the stake. It's now, will the refineries be able to expand to the point where they can consume that much oil on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, so and that'll be one, the big question. Yeah. So one, so Saudi, Aram- so Saudi Aramco is buying this or is it like, I'm assuming Saudi Aramco. Saudi Aramco. Okay, yeah. So, so as much as Saudi Aramco is the, um, is the single most biggest, most biggest powerful company in the company, world in terms of yeah. market cap. It is also still, and, and in the same way that Saudi Aramco is a publicly traded company that definitely isn't an arm of the Saudi state. No. It is an arm of the Saudi state and will be in for the foreseeable future. It's weird. It's, it's weird it's how a, like they how they leverage Saudi Aramco and and how it's no longer it's no longer a nationalized company. But when you own fifty percent of it, it's right, still it a nationalized company. Yeah, exactly. Like, can you imagine if the U.S. government owned fifty percent of Apple? Right. But the thing is, like, you can't really. I, mean, I guess you. I supposedly. I guess now, and you know, with how reliant we are on technology, like the U.S. could totally weaponize mm-hmm. Apple if they owned it. But like oil, I mean, it's the, oh, yeah, it's no, the oil if, is something like, that was- <laughs> so. So if if there was a massive syndicate called um, American Wheat and it sold all American cereal and it was just American cereal products, so yeah. corn, wheat, other grains, yeah, grains. and yeah. the U.S. Go- and the U.S. government was a fifty percent shareholder in that in that firm, and then it turned around and was like, oh yeah, it's weird that American wheat 
is is driving it has these very high prices in China or but that's yeah. not the American government. No, American wheat is publicly traded. Yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's, it's not the U.S. government. They're acting it's the best different. interest of their shareholders, which happens to be most of the government, right? So, mm-hmm. which like, happens to be I, I mean, as much the government as not, right? So, and obviously, American wheat is a made up company, so like don't go looking absolutely. it up and all. At that, least but, as far as I know, yeah, <laughs> it isn't. Same, same uh, here. Same here. Uh, but you know. I'm never taking off that tinfoil hat. But anyways, Saudi Aramco is actually like the majority stakeholder is Saudi Arabia. So, you know, pretty much whenever we say Saudi Arabia is doing this with oil or whatever, it just takes Saudi Aramco. It's that's pretty much yeah, the Saudi arm. Aramco is the actual mechanism doing yeah, it. But it's this. Yeah. But it's Saudi Arabia has has made the decision that Saudi Aramco is currently acting upon yeah it's like saying like i hit a golf ball well it's like well the club the golf club hit the golf ball but i swung the club right so that's kind of like what saudi ramco is exactly so, so it's one of those things um, where like it's one of those things where you're just like well yeah you know uh, saudi aramco whatever they, they so they they buy into these refineries that are already up and running they did so so yeah so these are two refineries oh, that already for exist some reason privately I, okay, held for some reason i thought they were um, buying into or they bought land to build a refinery on which i'm like okay that's gonna cost yeah, that's a what lot I, of money that's what i initially read is that they were going oh. into a refinery deal and i was like they're building a refinery that's a bold strategy that's that, that uh, would but not no, work it turns yeah, out that would not work that just be that'd be they a, bought they, be a they waste of five billion dollars yeah yeah they, they purchased a 10 percent stake in one refinery and then a nine percent stake in another um and i think the cost between the two of those stakes was 3.5 billion dollars oh okay um, so why do they for, those, for them buying this this portion of a of of a refinery does that mean okay. they get to use the refinery to produce that that 700,000 just shy of 700,000 well no they're day, actually or? they're actually selling that just shy of 700,000 barrels of oil to those refineries so like the great thing what? is, is they now get to they now get to be not just the seller to the refinery, so taking all the profits on the sale. They also now get to, uh, depending on which one you're talking about, ten percent or nine percent of the profits off of the sale of the then refined products. So it's a it's a oh. little pat on the back. It also encourages throughput to not be disrupted in in, in time. Yeah, so it's no, a, sure. I get it, but I, I know, but it, I don't know. I'm trying to like that's kind of a weird, you know. So you're buying ownership into something. To be able to sell something to them so i don't know like that's like elon musk <laughs> buying twitter to sell tesla cars to the twitter organization there's actually like, a really great example and it actually is here in lincoln there is a farmer who grows a who or a i guess a rancher who raises a specific kind of cattle and he is also a minority shareholder in a restaurant here that consumes oh, his cattle. That's, yeah, right? and so, then they, so here's they, what really happens is he sells his cattle to his own restaurant, the restaurant he's invested in for a lower price than he sells his cattle elsewhere. That's actually a really good business plan then. I'm not going to lie. Right? I sell my raw material at a lower value to the throughput where I could, where I also profit off the increased value. Right? So it's, it's trying to avoid any kind of monopoly law by being just a tiny partner in every step of the way, but controlling how it goes. Well, honestly, that's on Then that's good for Saudi Aramco as much as I hate to say it then. Oh yeah, no, and I it's, get it. It's a, it's a, it's a solid business choice. And it's also like, I don't know. I hate to say this too. It's also good for China. Well, if I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't because I feel like, Oh yeah. Saudi no, Aramco it, well, it's not bad. Yeah. But like, 
honestly, like if they, depending on what kind of relationship they have, because I don't know what President Xi did to swing this deal. Well, he's allowed um, them. He's allowed them to buy into private companies on the mainland. So, which uh, that, that doesn't sound that appealing to me. <laughs> I mean, it you know, doesn't. But, it doesn't to me either. He, hey, you know what? Maybe, and I, I don't know this to be true. Maybe what Xi has said is. You can take all your profits back home. Okay. Remember, historically so, in China, the most you can take out at any given time is 10%. Right. It takes forever for, especially if you're trying to migrate your, like if, if mm-hmm. I don't know if JP Morgan built a huge multi-billion dollar branch in Beijing, it's going to take forever to get it out. But in this case, it's still, I still don't see the appeal like to want to buy into Chinese assets and, and to invest in Chinese securities. Even I, like you know, because like if the I appeal is, agree with you on that. Yeah, because if the appeal is, you can get it out as fast as you can. It doesn't matter. No limit on on how fast you can withdraw. Which I guess nowadays is actually you know it's a pretty good selling point with uh, with you know with FDIC first on invest cash. So, which to be fair <laughs> is saying something. Yeah, so um, I guess fair enough. But can you imagine if I was like a venture capital or like if I was you know startup and you were an angel advisor and I was like, listen, I have this mechanism. If you invest money with me. I will guarantee that you can pull money out like as not guarantee, but like you can pull your investment out as fast as you can at whatever the market price is. Right. It's like at, at the future date. And it's like, okay, well that's not that appealing. Yeah. You know? no, what if it a, plummets um, in value? Like, I see. I, for me, it's a little, it's a longer term thing on why I don't necessarily know why I'd invest in China. Um, their demographics well, too, aren't great. Absolutely. I mean, the there's that aspect economic too, future yeah. doesn't seem strong. It's main ally is Russia, which militarily is yeah. not winning a war of choice granted no. as an you know as the united states that might be a it's a bold strategy to call someone else for for that with iraq under our belt right, right. so but it's something i was thinking about looking at i'm like you know china it seems that china's big plan is or good news ideas is, is oh let's invade taiwan well actually that's a bad idea because we're trying to learn from russia and ukraine but then yeah. it's like okay well can we bleed our tech sector to nothing and still be profitable? And the answer is no, well, no, probably not. And then it's, well, you've caused your, one of your largest companies. So uh, Alibaba is splitting up into, oh, yeah, that's right. into six different six, firms, yeah, six, or- into six different specialty firms. So like there'd be one that specializes in supply chain management, one that's just investment, but it's still like, okay. One so you're e-commerce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So why? So I, I guess the real question then is like, well, China, I understand you need oil. You want oil. You're hoping that and almost certainly going to be doing business in the petro yuan. Yeah. Well, so one of those things where like as Saudi Aramco, you're like, do you really see enough profitability in the short term that this seems like a good idea? Well, I think the bigger question too is, well, what about the long term, right? Like the long term for well, Saudi- the long term, it's just not there. Exactly. That's so you have to ask the same question. Like, so do you see any profitability in the short term with this deal? And to be honest with you, if you're guaranteeing, if I'm, you know, if I have to buy 10% of one refinery and 9% of another refinery, which is billions of dollars, right? Which I think you said was 3 point something billion. 3.5, right? yeah. Yeah. So you're buying into this thing and it's guaranteeing the sale of just five, of 700,000 barrels a day of oil to these refineries. So you're pretty much, essentially what you're doing is you're just buying a guaranteed customer. Absolutely. H- however you a, want to look at it. Which right, is interesting. Like, it's interesting to think of that as a- A business strategy. Is that really a business strategy that makes sense? Like it, it doesn't- No, it, no. I don't, I, I don't see it as a, as a logical business perspective or as a logical business decision. Well, I mean, it could just unless, be protectionism, unless, you know, for- Unless you're really afraid of finding yourself pushed out in a market that's more competitive in terms of so, oil supply. Okay, so that's- okay, a, for that's, that game. That's a really good point. 
Well, so before we get before we harp on that, I just wanted to say this. So I, you know, this story that that we're talking about with OPEC, it made me think of the dollar index, and I'm looking sure. at the dollar index right now. I thought I was going to have a way different reaction than what I'm currently seeing for the day. It didn't get it's stronger, fine. did it? it well, oh. it's it did, but not by much. It's minuscule, right? It's de minimis. So. Yeah, it's stronger, which is not what you would expect with this kind of deal, right? You know, no, th- this you, is, you'd think that that might indicate some sort of yeah. downward pressure. Yeah, I mean, this is like a strong, strong tailwind for the petro yuan and even the petro gold, which both of those things are big headwinds for the U.S. dollar. So, and not to mention, or, or should be expected to be. Yeah, and not to mention, nobody wants to use. Like, literally, I don't think there's a single country out there that wants to use the U.S. dollar to buy oil, except for America, right? Like, I think I think pretty much everybody, even, like, the U.K. is sick of it. Well, so, U.K.'s <laughs> got a lot of problems right now. So yeah, so they, they should, should be sick of it, but, like, you know. Yeah. Maybe they weren't always I, sick of it. But you, watch, I, you watch the pound devalue against the dollar like that? Yeah, I'd be sick of buying it in the dollar, too. I, I there was a point where they probably loved buying it in the U.S. dollar, where they were like, absolutely. Look at this ride we're going on, boys. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We, do we get $2 That's dollars what they for sounded everyone? like. They probably sounded a little more like, and I'm not an actor, oh, but let's see if we a- can offend England. Um, <laughs> all right, let's well, go broad. Let's go on it, mate. Uh, yeah. I apologize oh, to anyone offended by that. If you were offended, let me know which part of England you're from so I know what accent I just did. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we can also say that was probably the worst uh, UK accent since Tarantino's Australian accent. It's definitely up there. I'll say this. My Australian accents, I'm told, are worse. Um, <laughs> so I guess you're improving. Isn't that right, so, I don't Tim? know. <laughs> isn't that right, Timmy old boy? Aye, mate, let's go out. Let's get some pizza, eh? <laughs> I shouldn't. Who gave me a mic? It's a bad who gave, idea. Yeah, who gave this guy a mic? Gosh. Thank God he's less gracious. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, what um, can I say? It's 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 bad. It's getting worse. It's it's, um, it's only going to get worse. But yeah, weird reaction from the dollar. But I don't know. It's weird. I'm seeing it now. The dollar index is like, it doesn't, there's no like trading session for the US dollar, just kind of global thing. Yeah, trades, so, just trades because, yeah, you know, so, it's a thing and yeah, because for, every market has to touch it at some point. Yeah, and the forks never sleeps. So literally um, never sleeps. So, you know, here it is. Uh, it's declining as we're talking, but we'll see. I, I think it's something definitely you know, to keep to, an eye to be on. To fair, that's actually, I mean, I think we've agreed that's a good thing. It's it, Yes, a strong it dollar has not too been. too high. I, I mean, the dollar has been very strong. Like, for, like let's, let's be honest, too strong, right? And I think, yeah. I mean, at one point it got so strong that it was like, okay, even the equity markets are like, the dollar's way too strong. Like, we, we have to react negatively every time there's more tailwinds behind the US dollar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, one of those things where it's like, You'll ask the very simple question of like, why when, why is, why when the US dollar is too strong, is that a bad thing? And the answer is, uh, when a car goes too fast, that's an, it's inherently a bad thing. Yeah, it's, you can't sell, you, can't you sell can it. buy goods from other people, which is great, but you can't sell goods to them because they can't afford to buy in the dollar. Right. It's just one of those things where you're, you're end up at a point where you're like, you know, it, it's, it's putting too much lubricant in an engine. Yeah. It's, at some point, pieces start it, to it fly just, off. It just becomes extremely inefficient, you know? So anyways, yeah. Um. It's, I think it's something to keep an eye on. Like, remember when I said Absolutely. earlier this year, I'm I'm predicting a sub ninety dollar index sometime this year. I'm starting to second guess my prediction. I don't know if it's going to happen this t- this year, but I think maybe end of next year for sure. I'm guessing. A, I'm I think we're going to see a sub ninety dollar index. I'm not rooting for it, but I just I I think there has been way too much momentum. I think it's going to reverse pretty harshly. 
and maybe maybe it'll bounce out at some point. I, I, I um, think you're right. It's going to have to reverse, and this year's going to be. Well, I mean, it's already reversing. It's, like it's, I mean, you know, yeah. Because like, like honestly, a, a dollar index of one thirteen just does not just that just was not going to be sustainable. No, it's not. Sus- it's like, not no, sustainable. At some it, it, at some point, no one's going to want the dollar. You know, so yeah. So so the, so the very kind of a weird way to kind of describe the U.S. The U.S. is a the United States is a just is a there's only one, two other countries in the world that I'm a, well not two but two other major countries in the world as eh, three if we really want to play this game that have a Pacific coast and an Atlantic coast and it's it's the United <laughs> States Mexico Canada um, and then like all obviously the Central American states like Panama yeah, well, which yeah. has both uh, Colombia which does both that have the ability to import from one side, move across, and then export on the other. Or, a more accurate way of putting that, specifically with the U.S., is the U.S. can very easily move anything it's trying to sell to whichever coast it's trying to ship from. Yeah. It can also import anything from either side and get it to where it needs to go very quickly. I mean, yeah, import something uh, from Washington, put it to, bring it to Pennsylvania, you know. Yeah. Have it in Pennsylvania relatively, quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so there's this great idea, or this, there's this great phrase I've heard in Selection, which is say, the United States has never imported a recession, but it's exported several. And the way that <laughs> works is if, if there's a recession in Asia, the U.S. just turns to Europe and Africa, turns to the East, turns to the South, and it just goes... We're gonna yeah. buy things from you. We're gonna sell things to you yeah. to keep to keep from to keep from dealing with that recession. Oh, there's a recession in Europe. The U.S. turns to Asia and goes, "Well, we're gonna sell things to you." Yeah, well, it's just being it's you're just not being, in recession. Yeah, it's more of an efficiency thing. It's like, okay, well, you, if you're in a recession, like, why do I market to you? Because like, you guys can't buy anything. Right? Exactly right. So now the, now the, it's harsh. The real it's really is, harsh, right? But it's you know, it is. But it but it but it's why the United States has never imported a recession, but only but can export them. Right. We're not right. producing enough. We don't have anything to sell to other people. And since so people are suddenly going like, oh, that's we can't an afford issue. anything here. Buy. And then, yeah. And then or that, too. Yeah. Then, but so the next question. So the problem now is that it's not that there's a recession overseas. It's preventing them from being able to purchase American goods and services. It's the fact that the dollar is so strong that they can't, yeah, they so. can't exchange. Whatever. So it's not yeah. it's not a recession that U.S. can avoid. It's just the U.S. is doing so well comparatively that Dude. they can't well, that was the story in. of 2020, right? Where the entire world had a freaking. Let's be honest. I mean, I, we all saw the markets. You know, stocks and bonds declined in value drastically last year, all across the world. Inflation was yeah. rampant, right? So you know, you look at the the dollar index. Why was the dollar index so strong? Well, it's because you know, in the United States, <laughs> that, that's kind of the reality. The United States was like we we started the rate hikes faster than everybody else, which. I say still that still too late, but uh, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I say that regrettably, but it's like it's still too late. But we started ahead of everybody else. That tamed inflation a little bit quicker than it did in the UK, and a little bit quicker than it did in Europe. And that's the reason why the dollar index was so strong. And that's and that's the reason why no country really wanted to buy that much stuff from the US. Yeah. So a diet coke in Japan costs five yen. A diet coke in the US costs two dollars fifty cents. Well. If the if the conversion rate between is on is between this, the dollar yen and, and the dollar and euro euro is makes this. that diet coke comparatively less expensive to buy in Japan, you should be buying your diet coke from Japan right. instead of the US. Yeah, I like, mean that's kind of like the free market. It's just like you know, all right. Well, if I can buy diet coke, I mean, like let's let's not even use diet coke. It could be anything. It could be let's just say a gallon of gasoline, absolutely. right? So like I, if it, if I can buy a gallon of gasoline for four dollars in after all these currency conversions and taxes and whatever i can buy for four dollars in japan but i can go to venezuela and buy for 358 
it's like I'm probably going to go to Venezuela and buy gasoline. Especially if, if, the, if the shipping cost is less expensive than Japan. Right, yeah, but I'm saying like 358 all expenses included, oh, right? All, so, and $4, all, all, all taxes, taxes yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then like, if, if that's the case, I, I would be on a two cent on a two cent per gallon premium, obviously doing most of my business there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why the dollar, <laughs> that's a long way of saying that's why the, the strong dollar, I mean, it's trying dollars again. I'm always rooting for a strong dollar, but it, a dollar that strong, right? Where it's, one thirteen, one four. Yeah, a, str- a strong nine. dollar is a good thing. Yes, from my perspective, uh, a dollar that is as strong as the dollar currently is and and has remained is like well. Well, currently, I mean, it's, it's kind of it could do with a little weakening. Yeah, cu- currently, it's it's still strong. Like I mean, like much stronger than historical data has. Averages, yeah, yeah, so it's still really really strong comparatively. But it like if you look at the last three years, I mean, it's I mean, well, just last year, it's definitely getting weaker. But yeah. Anyways, um, moving on to what were we talking about before, like talking about uh, the, why Saudi Arabia might have wanted to do the sweetheart deal with Iran and also with China? Well, to me, it's, it's a, well, with Iran, there, it's because it's a geopolitical neighbor that they probably don't want to, there's two factors. They might be afraid of the Iran, Iranian um, suicide drones, right? So it's like, well, that's a bad thing if they were to come over and hit our oil production. That being said, like, Sorry, you would send missiles right back. So it's not like you have to worry about right. like, not bloodying them too. But uh, no, I think, I think Southern Arabia might be looking at it going, I, I see a business that has yeah, was- 30 years of profitability left in it. So I'm going to go and milk it for, it's essentially, it, it, it's almost like, it's like you're seeing that piece okay. of livestock that you're like, this has got like two more milking seasons. So I'm going to go milk it for all I can. And then it's going to be steak or. Uh, yeah. Leather. It's kind of like, knows? you know, when you order a drink from the bartender. And it has ice, and you decide you want to eat the ice cubes after you drink the drink, right? You want to milk the drink. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's that very much it's that idea of um, there's there's certainly it, it's that point where it's it's one forty five. You're at the bar, it's about to close, and so you order like that drink that you're like, well, it's about to be the end, so I might as well order a drink that I expect to tide me over. Yeah, through fair, this through this ride. Essentially, fair enough. Or more yeah. than my perspective, it's it's saying, um, well, I'd rather do this deal and do this business in northeastern China, in northeastern China for the next twenty years. Because if I don't go do it in twenty years, the business will not be there to go get. Well, do, don't but, you think there had to have been some sort of outside competitor? Maybe I don't know, like that they were kind of going like, okay, well, we need to brace for if this if there's an emergence of another competitor, or if, if you know, because I'm thinking like, okay, what if the U.S. decides like you know screw Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I right? so I don't think that'll happen just for political I don't think, reasons. I don't think so either. But at the same time, like. Like when Saudi Arabia starts to do some of this stuff where it's like, oh, we're going to buddy up to China. I'm like, I look at it from a, from a more militant standpoint, which is to say, why are you buddying up to a country who's, like I said, biggest no. ally can't burn down the neighbor's house, um, despite the fact that it has all the stuff to That's do. That's not so. even China's biggest issue is that their biggest ally is Russia. That's not even China's biggest issue. No, the you biggest know, issue with China like is um, it's, it's like taking it's it's essentially it's taking the propane contract for an apartment building that is about to be condemned. It's like, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be so lucrative. And it's like, well, how long is the contract? Like eight years. You know, that building's going to con- get condemned in two. So what's, right. what's your plan? You go, I'm going to make more money in those two years than... Uh, I'll lose in the next six than, years, than, right? Time then I'll lose in the six years right. after that. So yeah, I'm in. And, and to that respect, I, I can respect that where it's like, well, 
we expect to make more money in the short term than we will lose in the long term yeah. or not make in the long term. Well, that, that's kind but of like at the, the same time they look at it from saying if I don't go and if I don't go try to make this money now, I'm then I'm not gonna, then no one's going to make this money. So it's like there's money on the table. And it's like yeah, kind of like uh, the Glengarry Glen Ross okay. quote. It's like they're standing they're standing there begging to give you their money. Are you going to take it? Right. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, maybe they're kind of looking at it from that standpoint. Absolutely. I, I might have butchered, I might have butchered the Alec Baldwin quote, but yeah. Uh, so, but cause like, I think this deal also put a lot of headwind on us relations with Saudi Arabia. Not that they were strong to begin with. Well, they but, are, but they're, but you're right. That it's, it's one of several things that the U S is that has affecting relations. Cause right. Saudi Arabia seems to, and that's the big thing is I think, so the big thing with Iran is, if 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 Saudi Arabia can normalize relations with Iran and then doesn't have any local area enemies, then Saudi Arabia isn't in a weird position when it goes like, eh, we want to explore different trade options. Yeah. So there's still an enemy of Iran, and Iran sees a way to hurt them. And Saudi Arabia, if Saudi Arabia would unilaterally be like, oh, U.S., go away, yeah. and then we're we're going to do our own thing as we approach China, and as they're approaching China, Iran starts needling them. You know, Saudi Arabia would be like, well, U.S. aren't you going to do anything? And the U.S. is going to be like, why? You walked away. Right. It's one of those things where you're like, they want to, they want friends on both sides. It's, there's a, there's uh, a, uh, so I think that's probably what, yeah. what Saudi Aramco is doing for business is they're trying to ingratiate themselves on both sides. Okay. So what about, take a country like Venezuela, for instance, that's sitting on a ton sure. of oil reserves. Absolutely. Right? Like just, and not just oil, I yeah. mean, so many other natural resources, but. Absolutely. So, yeah. They're sitting on a ton of oil reserves and all of a sudden, if they get their shit together, sure. which could happen. That's it's it possible. Yeah. But if they did, that would pose a serious threat to Saudi Arabia. It could, depending on how, what, how it's managed. Oh, yeah. No, this, if, you know. if, um, if Venezuela decided it wanted to enter the world oil market, if it were to normalize relations and enter the world oil markets and not abide by OPEC standards, yeah, no, it would absolutely be disruptive. Cartels only yeah. work. So OPEC is a cartel. Cartels yep. only work when everyone's on board. If someone, right, we're back to game theory now. Yep. If someone decides to take the, to, to abuse OPEC, if no one else decides to abuse OPEC, then the person that, the only person abusing their situation is the winner. If yeah. everyone decides to begin abusing what OPEC standard is, then everyone is the loser. Yeah. Well, I mean, from uh, a production standpoint. And, and so I hate to throw like a, I hate to throw like a monkey in the wrench, but <laughs> so, Think of it like this too, like so the, the eurozone or whatever you want to call it, like it, it was a trade alliance mm-hmm. between all, all whatever like eighteen countries now because uh, great yeah, single market in the EU, yeah, yeah. So that that trade alliance was certainly, if you want to call it a cartel, it could have been, you know, it's it's not accurate, but it's not inaccurate. I'll call that a little more of an economic union because it's it's right exactly not just. Them controlling the export of a single good, right? Exactly, but like I mean, it's kind of like okay, now and now BRICS has entered the chat, right? And that trade alliance is all of a sudden providing another. Okay, well, let's keep an eye on this because this could provide some competition. Yeah. Maybe that's not a good analogy. Or well, actually, what would be but, very interesting to see is if, um, is if inside of BRICS you start to see oil moving independent of OPEC. Right. Well, I'm, all I'm saying is or like other materials. Yeah, because I think there are some resources within the eurozone that these 18 countries get to enjoy. You know, that, that they can trade freely. Whereas if they wanted to trade with Saudi Arabia, which is a country that's obviously not in the eurozone, like if Saudi Arabia wanted to do business with 
you know, with Europe. Well, like, and Saudi Arabia has, because if you notice have, at the beginning have, of <laughs> the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Saudi Arabia began to sign quite lucrative contracts with Poland right, and other right, countries right. to provide I know, I know, oil I, in lieu of Russian natural gas. I, I know, so. I know. I know they have, but I'm, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is like, there's this trade alliance here that all these countries get to enjoy the benefits of, right? And obviously that it comes with their dues, but like, they get to enjoy the benefits of, of this trade alliance. And then Saudi Arabia is looking at that and going like, man, I wish I had access to this good or service that they, that they have between these countries within the, the yeah. Eurozone. So they're like, what other countries sure. outside of the Eurozone that don't have a trade alliance offers these goods or services? And they go, okay, well, maybe Brazil has this, that A, B, and C. And Russia has, you know, D, E, F, and whatever C, it is. C, D, and F, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, whatever it is. And then they're like, okay, well, now let's, let's create this trade alliance here. And all of a sudden, now, screw you, Europe, because we have our thing. And, yeah. oh, you want to do business they, with us? They, you want to buy oil from us? Oh, well, now you want to buy oil from us. Okay, well, you know. Like, well, that's, that's maybe, exactly maybe, what, I'm, what... I'm not saying that's... And that's exactly what Saudi Arabia has done when they, when they took Saudi Aramco public, is they, is they said, oh, we're going to make this a publicly traded company, so when it does things that a country doesn't like, we can go, well, this is just business. They're, they're just business. It's our stakeholders. It's our even, shareholders. Even, right? even when Saudi Arabia, when, when the government of Saudi Arabia is telling Saudi Aramco, do this, do this. Yeah. Oh, well, they were acting in the best benefit of the shareholders. Well, I, oh, I, the best benefit of the shareholders, the best benefit, and the best benefit of the biggest shareholder because yeah, exactly, it's different. But, so I think okay, so this poses a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of things we have to look forward to is one: does this put any pressure on the Fed to lower interest rates? Which I hope no. But I think it I think does. it's not. You don't none at I think, all. I think the U.S. is a, the U.S. is a net energy exporter. Um, no, the the things that'll put the most pressure or take the most pressure off of U.S. energy interests are um, investment in green, but that takes time. And then also turning on uh, refineries, maybe. Yeah, the, re- the return to certain refineries or the I mean, the Biden administration just did the uh, auctioning off of certain uh, rights. Gulf Mexico drilling rights and Alaskan drilling rights. Now, yeah. that'll take a decade I, before see, we see any at, benefit. At the very least, which at I'm not saying I, I'm not saying like I don't appreciate him for doing that. Like, I, I'm glad that the Biden administration did that. Yeah, but that's so but we'll, that's such a we'll, long in the U.S. We're no, I'm not saying is, bad. is we need to see refineries and natural gas processing. Yeah, but even like turning um, on refineries is not necessarily a short sighted well, thing either. It's like you just no, go in there and flip on a bunch of switches and it's up. You know what I, mean? I know. And, it's, and the most and the easiest way to do it is if it's just a refinery that was turned off. The hardest way to do it is if it's a refinery that was hit by a hurricane. Right. right? So, well, there were I mean, salt water everywhere. Aren't there a bunch of refineries in like Oklahoma and like North Texas that were just turned off that were just like okay we'll we just there don't see a, the there are a few that that were that were shut down yeah there are also a huge number on the gulf coast that have been damaged by storms yeah exactly the ones that get shut down generally speaking are smaller less efficient exactly out less of the way and, and kind of and kind of inconvenient from a supply chain standpoint yeah but even um, then okay so if they because like i think a lot of the refineries now that that are open that are running i mean they've been mm-hmm. running at max cap for almost the last three years let's say like really since like COVID oh, they've yeah. been running at like max cap. Like, and, and that means that they like hardly had time to shut down for maintenance, you know, which, which they need to do. Like, right? you know, which just part of the reason, easy maintenance. Yeah. Part of the reason you're dealing with oh, an extremely flammable product. Maintenance is your friend. <laughs> you would think, right. So I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it would be nice to just turn some refineries back on, but like I said, it's not necessarily something you just go in there, turn on a bunch of switches 
you know, plug in some, uh, some, you know, some power sockets and then you're good to go. It, it, I mean, turning on refineries is like a, it's at least a 10 year process. Yeah. To my, to my knowledge, it takes, yeah, it's, it's, it, it takes it's several that, years. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's kind of like, so China's problems are, are demographic. Mm-hmm. Like the issue China has is that the population is shrinking. As we as we yeah. noted two months ago, the problem really, really is, rapidly, yeah. is people aren't having kids. This and this demographic crisis will hit in the next twenty to thirty years. Um, you know, you often hear like, "Well, you could fuck off about it <laughs> about about problems." Like, "Well, you can just fuck off then." That's exactly what um, they're trying to do in China. Exactly. Well, I was going to say China's a problem. Ch- China's problems can le- legitimately just be solved by that. <laughs> the, <laughs> well, that yes. and then having children, I guess. It, but that's a critical aspect to it, which is why we which is why we made big comment or we made big notes to the commentary that. There are a number of men that exceed women, and it's very much it's very much a yeah. a woman can only have so many children in a year. So well, yeah, exactly. The number it's of women is is the is the bottlenecking factor. Yeah, the number of refineries is a bottlenecking factor in. Yeah, um, so we have the bottlenecking factor here in in the in the U.S., which is not something that can be solved overnight. Yeah, no, and, that's the thing. It's like so. It's like in as you were saying, it's not like so in the U.S. You can't you can't just like flick a fucking switch and the refinery's back on. Just like in China, they can't just fuck off and suddenly there's a, a whole new worker. It's, it's very much a... It takes time. It's, it, yeah. it, takes, it takes a little bit of work. And so, yeah, it's a... Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I would certainly... I'd love to see exactly what was promised. I'd love to see the short-term benefits that uh, Saudi Aramco seems to think it's going to gain from its uh, equity stake in these firms. And I mean, yeah. I, I know what it's going to gain from selling oil in that many bal- uh, barrels per day to a company. And it's the price Time's of that quality, oil yeah. multiplied by the number of... Well, about, this, about this 600,000 oh. barrels, yeah. 680,000 barrels, yeah. yeah. At what, $81? So... So it's a promise of. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we, we also we we saw oil futures shoot up today. You know, not yeah. shoot up. So it's, it's so pretty it's, dramatic. It's, but it's, you know, if you really want to know, it's 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 just shy of fifty six million dollars a day to these so firms. F- I mean, for th- if you paid three point something billion dollars to receive that much money a day, you know, and let's just say it's a business day, so two hundred seventy business days. Over a year, so what was it? Fifty-six million times seventy. 50, fifty-five, fifty-five, eight ninety. So, okay, so fifty-five, eight ninety times two seventy. Fifteen billion. Yeah. So in one year, you're making all you're making all your money back. You're making your money back five times. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I get it. I understand. It's a good deal. I mean, granted, granted the cash flows don't, don't start tomorrow. It starts. <laughs> you know, you, you don't. No, like it, the starts, cash it starts when your boat yeah. first shows up. Yeah. But yeah. Some of those things where it's like, well. All right, that's a. That I guess, was a I guess doing the math decision. now. It's like, that's, that investment makes sense, but it's like, it's like you might as well. It's it's one of those things where it's like you might as well do it while the while supplies last because it is while supplies last. It really is. Eventually, consumption of oil in China will go down right. because. Well, and like the Peter Zions of the world have been saying, like China doesn't have much time left. Like China is just no. not. Which I I mean, what twenty he's, years. What he's yeah. saying is is pretty. I would say alarming, and maybe it's clickbait, but a little doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. It, it really. I mean, but it's Peter Zion. Like I. Yeah, I I really admire his work. I, I think he's a great journalist uh, and, and a great researcher. Um, like seriously, an expert on geopolitics. Yeah. But like maybe okay. So if if you do business for a whole year, you get fifteen billion, which is five times your money back from that that three point two million dollar or three two billion. I should 3.5 say three point five billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost it's almost five times. You know, if you time value money over ten years, uh, you know, you're probably still making. a plenty of money it's still really really good roi so and it doesn't and we'll it doesn't see. hurt that you um that you also just curtailed production on a daily level by 1.5 million barrels yeah. so it's like well i just drove up the price to my customers and i get to enjoy it on the far end yeah, so, but i still think it does 
in, in many ways hurt inflation here in the U.S. Because, I mean, last year, inflation was very much driven by energy. And now energy prices, at least the markets think that energy prices are going to go up because one, they're producing less oil. OPEC decision was cutting production by 1.5 million barrels a day or something like that. And yeah. on top of that, they're, sell- they're seemingly selling more over to China than they are to the US. Or are they rather be doing business with China to the US, which I think is a very short-sighted decision, but still uh, could affect oil prices here in the US in the short term, I think. so. I, I don't know. I don't. Does it put pressure on the Fed? Your 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 guess is no. I don't think. I don't think so. it will either. I, I don't. I, I I think the Fed just needs to stop overreacting to everything. Yeah. Well. 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 Muhammad Al is right. They need to stop reacting to every single piece of news. Exactly. Well. I I think I think their big mistake was they reacted. Oh, no. No. Sorry. Not reacted. They overreacted to Ukraine. And I get it. Like. Sometimes it's better to overreact. Sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes expanding your balance sheet to eight and a half trillion dollars from four trillion dollars might have been a slight overreaction, right? I mean, we did. a bit of an overstatement, yeah. So, uh, it, it, yeah, that that and like, I, I to be fair, I could forgive the overreaction on Ukraine, which is to say mm-hmm. they pushed back raising rates by a month if they hadn't also overreacted to. The one, like to the slightly good news, despite everything else being bad. Like yeah. at this point, the Fed saw a light at the end of the tunnel, assumed it was the end, and then found out it was the train. Yeah, like it's it's very much one of those things. You're like, well, yeah. So huh. I would say between you know our boy Mo and our boy Jeff Gunlock, you know, I I think it's it's still very much you can't have your cake and eat it too. You just can't. Like no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, something's got to give. Yeah, and. and um, do you know a really cool thing to give in the spring is? I know we got Easter coming up. Yeah, what is a good, cool thing to give? Please tell me. A really cool thing to give would be like a Drunkonomics hoodie, a Drunkonomics golf shirt, a Drunkonomics t-shirt. You know what? I'll be honest with you, man. If something had to give, that's something that I would love to I would receive. love to have to give that to someone, yeah. And or have to give um, it. That's a good one. That's a good point, too. <laughs> have to give it, have to get it, whatever it is, whatever, whatever, whatever it feels is. right. Yes. And to be fair, I'll be honest. Don't be afraid. You can give to yourself. Absolutely. It is okay. Treat yourself, man. And uh, I just bought myself a these watch. things about, you can track down at Drunkadomics. Uh, wow, no, at Drunkadomics.myspreadshop.com. Excellent. It's D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-S. Myspreadshop.com. Yeah. And there you can peruse through all the original designs, the new designs. Lots of cool stuff. Yeah, I love the new designs. I'm going to submit yeah, an order and, uh, in here pretty soon. Get some new uh, tank I tops. I need to as well. Sunset I need, to, I need to get a... I know. I need to get one. I want to get the one with the uh, with the the Greek um, tragedy comedy masks. I know. You know? I love. Yeah. I want to get. I want to just get one of those shirts like for like pool days, and people are like, "What's that?" It's like, I'm drinking. I just, That's it. Just filling and killing. Exactly right. right. Judge me. And speaking of which, if you also want to help fill and kill our tip jar, you can always go to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot C O M slash Drunkenomics, D R U N K E N O M I C S. Not Drunkenomical, it's just Drunkenomics. But anything there is much appreciated. Uh, seriously. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for, for just listening, let alone if you did felt yeah, inclined to, along. Uh, to, to contribute to our Patreon. Anything there is much appreciated. Just, you know, consider it like a tip in the tip yeah. jar, you know, just helping us keep yeah, it the... Us keep, it helps us keep our, um, our ice cabinet frozen, our, our liquor cabinet stocked. Our keeps us in, uh, It keeps us in our, our fun beer ventures. It keeps us in interesting yeah. liquor experiments. Yeah, exactly. It keeps us, it, most importantly, it keeps it keeps our Manhattans lemon. Yeah, I know. I need um, to get back into the cocktail. I feel like the summer, you know, as summer rolls around, that's what kind of when, when the cocktail season really starts to liven up for me. Oh, absolutely. Winter's yeah, no, just it's, like it's, pure, just straight liquor. That's it, you know? I do, I've done a few cocktails. 
cocktails, obviously, over the winter, but I, I certainly agree with you. Like, as I've gotten to this, like, the last... So it looks like Nebraska's finally turned the corner. He says, apparently going to... I'm going to create snow now. But it looks like all of next week, it's going to be in the 70s. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, good for you, man. It's going to be 90. Time to bust out. It's going to be 90 Time to bust here. out some spring some spring cocktails on this one. Yeah, so spring cocktails um, and sleeveless Drunkenomics merch. How's, how's that? How's that? That sounds great. And when you wear a sleeveless Drunkenomics piece of merch, people are going to know two things about you. One, perfect, amazing taste in podcast. Two, this guy can definitely afford sleeves. He just wants a different taste. I know. Line. But most importantly, I think what they also know is, well... Another list. One, this guy fills and kills. He also Absolutely. plays chestnut checkers. Doesn't brag, just says. Clearly. And also, most importantly, he does what? Or she. Uh, I think, she I think that what? person, he or she, they are definitely keeping it drunkenomical when they're wearing that. Absolutely. Cheers, my friend. Cheers.